millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Dana Kennedy is the author of A Journal for Jordan, A Story of Love and Honor. Dana is the senior vice president and publisher of Simon & Schuster. Previously, she was the administrator of the Pulitzer Prizes and a senior editor at the New York Times, where she was a journalist for over 20 years. In 2001, she was part of a team that won a Pulitzer Prize for national reporting for how race is lived in America. Raised near Fort Knox, Kentucky, she lives in New York City with her son, Jordan, and wait for the movie about this book. Welcome, Dana. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss a journal for Jordan, a story of love and honor. Thank you so much. By the way, so I was reading this book around my kids as I do all my books, Mm -hmm. and my daughter picked it up, who's eight, and was like, oh, how cool. Like, have you seen this movie? And I was like, no, honey, it's not a movie. This is a book. This is just a book. And she's like, no, no, no. And actually, you know what? It might have been my son. Anyway, and they turned it over and like showed me. And I was like, I I think I need, you know, I've just started wearing reading glasses. I did not even notice this was like a movie that there's a huge thing here. I'm like, anyway, so now then I, this is before I started it. So I realized obviously it came out in 2008 and now a movie is imminent. Okay. So so you didn't know about the movie. Wow. I didn't even know about the movie. And then I was thinking to myself, I wonder why I'm reading this book from 2008, but I don't care. I'm excited. It looks great. You know, I I picked it, you know, (laughs) Like, I was just like, why are they doing publicity for the book? But anyway, so the book, the movie, the whole thing. First, let's start with your story of sort of loss and love and all of that. Would you mind telling listeners about what happened and why you wrote this? So I was a journalist at the New York Times for 23 years. And during that time, I was dating a wonderful man named Charles. And he was a really highly, highly decorated soldier. He got orders to go to Iraq. And before that, we dated for, as I say, eight and a half years. 
I never wanted to get married. I never wanted kids. I was traveling around the country and, you know, sometimes other countries, you know, reporting and uh, having a great time in New York and had this awesome hot boyfriend. <laughs> and he, meantime, was training men and women to be, to be soldiers and then later training them for war. But then he did get orders for Iraq. And before that, we had decided to get engaged. And when he got the orders, I was turning 40. And suddenly, it's one of those flashes before your eyes moment. And I called him. He was in training and said, I think I want to have a baby. I just blurted it out. And he said, okay. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not asking you for a puppy. Are you sure? And he said, yes. And I said, well, how can you make a decision like that so quickly? And he said, I made it a long time ago. I've just been waiting for you to be ready. And so the entire time he was in Iraq, I was pregnant with our son, Jordan. We knew we were going to have a a boy. And I gave him a, a journal, a blank journal. And he became obsessed with this journal. And he filled it up with 200 pages of life lessons for our son. He got to come home and meet him once. He had six weeks left to go and he was killed by a roadside bomb in Iraq. My whole world collapsed. I literally collapsed on the hardwood floor screaming. And I had only been back from maternity leave for two weeks. I had a six-month-old baby and my life had just fallen apart. And, you know, I had to do something because my my baby needed me. And, And I, writing has always been the way I process anything, good or bad or indifferent, writing is, is my way of making it through the world. It's just, it's like painting to me or pottery. It just suits me and heals me. And so I started writing for very selfish reasons. I wanted people to know about this honorable man. I wanted my son to really know his father. And it became a journal for Jordan. The way you write about Charles, I feel like I knew him. His like hot body that you notice right away. <laughs> that was like the best description of a man ever. You're like his rippling muscles and like the ratio of the shoulders to waist, you know, and like the arm bulging. And I was like, oh. Oh, who is this guy? You know, and how you like lead him to like on this date and like you're dipping your toes in the water. I'm like, this is so fun. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny you mentioned that because he was. He was very bold professionally, but he was incredibly shy personally. He would have been mm-hmm. so embarrassed. I'm sorry. About these descriptions. No, it's great. Right. No, I love embarrassing did. him. Also, women <laughs> everywhere have told me they've fallen in love with him. And Aww. I'm happy to share him with so many wonderful women. But he was an extraordinary man. He really was. You do you did capture though that you know, how he was like often looking down and quiet and thoughtful and, you know, such an artist. Oh my gosh, like amazing. So I I could see that he would be embarrassed. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. (laughs) Don't be. I liked embarrassing him when he was here and I'm still enjoying it playfully. I also love, you know, falling in love, watching someone's love story is great. And how you were so open to about how you were together for this long period of time. And yet you were only all in for part of it, right? You were, you had like a foot emotionally out the door for all your reasons. And then finally you let yourself in and then he passes away. I just like, oh my gosh, I wanted to like leap in the book and be the person on the floor to catch you. Like, cause you could just see it all happening. You know, it was like in slow motion. Like I kept flipping (laughs) thinking, well, maybe it won't happen. You know, maybe it'll be okay. Especially the way you let us into your family life and your own relationship with your dad and your sibling. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry this happened. I'm just so Thank sorry. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to you for caring about this and sharing it with your listeners. That has been so healing for me over time. It's been a long time, but I still miss him every day. Of course. The reason I talked about my family life is because you had to understand that to understand why I was so yep. reticent and so 
you know, not all in, as you say, which is accurate. And he helped heal me. I did a lot of work on myself, but he just said, I'm not going away and I'm going to love you. And I think I didn't believe it. So I challenged him over and over. And in the end, oh my gosh, I really did believe it. And then verification of that, even after he died, was this journal Mm -hmm. where he talks to our son and says, if you want to know what I love in a woman, just look at your mother. I couldn't believe it. I fell in love with him all over again. And even that he like had the sense to send it to you two weeks before or a month before, right? That like someone on his platoon had had died Mm -hmm. and he was like, I have to get this journal out of here. And you got it. I mean, it's like meant to be, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you the other thing that's, I don't think this is in the book. It's just to tell you about the depth of his love and compassion and his caring and protective nature for Jordan and me. After he died, you know, that horrible thing happens where the military comes to your house. Oh, it's the most horrible thing. And I actually wrote about this first on the front page of the New York Times before it was a book, because honestly, I wasn't necessarily thinking of a book then. I just realized I was the only national journalist in the country that had that experience. I wanted people to understand what that was like. I also wanted to share the journal. I was proud of Charles. But the military came and then they came back the next day or a couple of days later. And I was in a fog by then. I just, the thing I learned is how physically painful grief is. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to breathe. And they came and they picked us up and suddenly my baby felt really heavier. Like I was having a hard time holding him. And they took us to this military base in Brooklyn. I felt like I was in the back of like a police car or something. We had to fill out all these documents. Jordan needed a new military ID card. I couldn't understand why, because he just had one. And I saw that it said they changed the active duty to deceased. I thought I was going to throw up. We get back home that day and I'm shaking. I hadn't eaten. We hadn't even buried Charles yet. And this was back in the days when people still had landlines with answering machines. And I come in the house, I set Jordan down and I said, oh, Charles, my God, how did this happen? I said, I can't do this. Please, please just give me a sign that you're still with me. And as God is my witness, I turn on the answering machine and there's a man named Sergeant Wesley, I think calling from Iraq. He sounded far away and sad and had a scratchy voice. And he said, hi, my name is Sergeant Morris. You don't know me, but I was a friend of First Sergeant King's and he gave me your phone number. And he made me promise that if anything ever happened to him, I would call you and tell you that he loves you and you're going to be all right. I couldn't believe it. Even after he died, he was taking care of us and was saying to me, you'll be okay. so beautiful. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That's so No, no, no. It's so meaningful. It's like a, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I've learned so much about love and relationships since he died and since I wrote the book. You know, most people don't interview their loved ones, their spouses, their partners, teacher and girlfriends and bosses and parents, you know, and I did and I learned a lot more about him. And the one, I don't live with many regrets, but one that I have is that I didn't know earlier how much he really loved us. During all this research on him, getting the journal, but also even that that, that voicemail, that message on my machine, that this man thought about what would I need to say to this woman to help her if I die and, and got that message to me even after he died. That's how much he loved us. You know, someone can tell you as many times, right? You just, it t- sometimes it takes like this superpower to believe it, right? That's it, yeah. 
I'm sure he told you a bazillion times. It's he did, just- and he showed me a bazillion times. But you know, as you know, I'm I'm very secure professionally, but I was always insecure, you know, personally. It was hard for me to believe that somebody would love me like that. I'd never seen an example of it. As you know, from reading the book, yeah, my parents did not have a good marriage at all. I hadn't seen an example of a, of a good, solid relationship where people weren't, you know, having affairs and hitting each other and yelling at each other. And so this was different for me. Couldn't believe when your dad was like trying to take your car that night to see his mister. I mean, oh my gosh, stuff that went on. (laughs) You know, this is like, excuse me, as I'm like snotting all over. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't usually cry, but I am so sorry. No, it's just you can just like your pain is so contagious, right? Because you can just feel, especially. I feel like it's so cruel because it did take you a while to believe it, and then it was snatched away. You know, but maybe like. I don't know. Thank God you did. Thank God you let it in. Yes. And you know what? I have that for the rest of my life. I still own that, you know? And in a strange way, the relationship is frozen in time. He still looks the same. Mm -hmm. You know, our love is still the same. Look at that. You're dating a younger man. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I've had a, I've gone on to have a life, you know, without him, but he's always there. He's always at the center of it. You know, I, I, my, our son now is 15 and I've had to teach him about his dad over time. So Charles is still a part of us. He really is. But I have a very full, happy life now. And as you know, there are funny moments in the book. There are, there are lessons about resilience. It's not all sad. No, no, I'm, of course. Yeah, he's pretty full and happy and awesome. But I literally think about him every day and I'll miss him for the rest of my life. Well, I feel like it's such an honor that you wrote about him and let the rest of us in on this because you easily could have not. I mean, it would have been so easy to keep this private, like so many people do, who are out there just like really sad and holding that grief and holding that loss and not able to share it with everybody. So I'm glad it's brought you comfort because... Thank you. Yeah. There's actually, <laughs> on the part that you're saying that was so funny, there was one line that honestly helped me so much as I am like, <laughs> you know, always yo-yoing with my weight and everything. And oh, I've been in a too. particular like down on myself, like, oh my gosh, I've got to like get out of the kitchen mood. Anyway, you had this one line, which I can't find now, but when you were describing yourself in contrast to Charles, you said mm-hmm. it's a matter of fact, like I am this, I am that. I gain weight when I'm stressed, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. just like that? She just like puts it in. It's like, you know, it did, there yeah. was no judgment. It was just like, this is what I do when I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for some reason, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, this is just what I do. Like, this is yeah. just part of me and I'm just going to move on. And like, th- there it is. Why, why like be upset about it? Yeah, yeah. You know, for a lot of reasons, I used to think that you had to be a certain physical image to be accepted by men, to be accepted really in life. And the weight that I gained actually ended up being a gift because I realized I didn't have to be flirty and sexy and all that to be loved or to be accepted, you know, in any aspect of my life, that the people who love you are going to love you and are going to embrace who you are and see all of you. And that was a gift. It was something I needed to know and needed to understand. And now I realize that. And I tell my son this all the time. The only things that, that matters in life is your village. Mm-hmm. It's my village that got me through the death, his death. It, it has helped me professionally. It's helped me personally. Your village. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks of you or whether you're completely anonymous when you walk out the front door to most people. They never see you. I don't really care about that anymore. 
Before his death, I cared about my village, but I really understood afterwards the importance of that. And that's what I embrace. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the cat in the hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Wow. And yet somehow still with all of this that you had going on, your career like continue, I shouldn't say despite, I mean, why wouldn't it? But it's just another, you know, hindrance, right? If you're like carrying around all this grief, it's a heavy load. And yet you've like completely ascended to like the heights of the publishing world. So what is that like? And you had this huge promotion last year, the year before, whenever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, tell me about all of that and how that's all tracked and, you know, how you feel about all that. So I have, a, I live by faith. I, I very much believe in God. And I used to, I will tell you, I didn't grow up in the church, but I used to say that if somebody close to me died, I would probably be angry at God. And the opposite happened. It's what got me through. I was surprised by that. So I give, I give thanks to God for an extraordinary career. And I, I started writing when I was 12. And I realized it was all leading to this, to this movie, to this book. There are life lessons in there that I could tell you about. I hear from readers all over the world. I heard from a 16-year-old Muslim girl who snuck the book in Saudi Arabia and read it and sent me a note saying, I now know how to choose a husband. I was once at a university signing books. There were 1,500 kids in line and this petite little beautiful blonde girl came up in a very meek voice and and whispered to me, thank you so much for your book. It's helping me get through my own tragedy. And I said, what's going on? And she said, I was raped last semester. I was the first person she was telling. I stopped the line, got her help. I mean, I could give you a million stories like that from traveling across the country, speaking about this book. I think the movie is going to touch people in another way because there are lessons in our story about resilience. There are lessons about patriotism. There are lessons about standing for something more than yourself. For a while, men who left prison in New Jersey were given a copy of the book to tell them how to be a man and how to be a father. And so it's that's what I mean about, I feel as though my faith led me to this work and the through line, whether I was running the Pulitzer Prizes, which I did, you know, or now as the publisher of Simon & Schuster and before storytelling at the New York Times and with this book, 
the, the constant in my career has been the power of information communication and storytelling to unite people, to help people to understand, to bring us together, to heal us. And so that's what I have tried to do my whole professional career, professional life. And I'm trying to do that at Simon & Schuster with many of the books that we acquire. Wow. That's amazing. So I recently started my own publishing company. I don't know if you know this. Congratulations. Um, no, my gosh. Oh my gosh. After the podcast, we've got to talk, talk a I, lot more about I it. I would love to. <laughs> Honestly, that is super. Yeah. It's called Zibby Books. And it came from a place of, you know, I really have just such reverence for authors and I've done like 900 podcasts or whatever else. And I just wanted to like be a part of it and make a difference and like put the author in the middle and the center of everything. Oh my gosh. And also to yeah. be able to say to people, instead of like, you should write an essay. Cause I had this like anthology. I, you know, I, I like to commission essays, but there are all these people. I'm like, you have such a great story. Like you have to write this book. And now I get to say that. And it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That's fantastic. We have so, to talk a lot more about that. So yeah, that would be yeah. great. Tell me two things about the movie. So you have Michael B. Jordan, yes. right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I literally, I am such a moron. I thought this was like the author <laughs> and the author's husband. Until and I was like, oh my gosh! But now, of course, I realize. And I was googling the stars and everything. And how do you feel about this casting and the fact that your life is a movie? And I mean, that's well, gotta feel wild. Let me say one thing, which is whether it's the book or movie, my career, and I mean this sincerely. I take these blessings very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously at all. My mom said, "How's it feel to be famous?" I said, "Mama, if you got to tell people you're famous, you're not famous." <laughs> And I can't have my nose in the air because I'm too clumsy. I would fall on my face. I swear. So I'm grateful, but I don't, I don't, I'm not caught up in, you know, the interesting thing is, so Denzel Washington's the director and he is one of my dearest, dearest friends. We're very close. All people think about and say to me when they learn about this is Michael B and oh my God, Denzel and the red carpet. What are you going to wear the red carpet? What they don't see is when I was crying for six hours in Arlington Cemetery when we were shooting a scene there or when I had nightmares because they were showing me the clips of the Humvee blowing up. And then I had a nightmare. You know, I don't care about the red carpet. And someone asked me, what are you wearing to the premiere? I found a dress for $200 at Macy's. That's what I'm wearing. I don't care about that stuff. But we have all become so close. Shantae, who plays me, is my little sister for life now. She's been in our house. She'll be with us on Christmas. I love her dearly. I'm very protective of her. She's going to be the next big breakout star. Count me my word on that. Michael B is a sweetie pie. Denzel and I are very close. The executive producer, we're, we, you know, we all got to be friends and now we're like family. And you're going to see that in the movie mm-hmm. because they poured everything they had into this movie. And it's beautiful. You know, there are parts that are hard, but it's fun, laugh out loud funny in some places. I tried to, we tried to make sure it ended on a hopeful note, not artificially, but I'm a hopeful person. You know, I'm an optimistic person and this brought me literally to my knees, but I was in time able to get back up. And I want to say one thing, if if I can digress for a second, because whenever I speak about this, it's just important for me to get this message out to anybody who might need it, might be going through their own struggles. Life is cyclical and I never thought I would get over this. And what I want to say is that success in your life looks different on different days. Mm -hmm. Today, I got the call to be the first woman and the first person of color in a century, in a hundred years to run the Pulitzer Prizes was a successful day. The day Charles died, I swear, it was just a successful day that I got off the floor. A month later, success for me was getting out of bed, taking a shower and brushing my teeth. That was a successful day. And so you have to meet yourself where you are. And in terms of this movie, it's, it's a long time coming. I'm, I'm a producer on the film. 
deeply involved, but it really is. It's my life. To everybody else, we're characters and it's a movie, but you know, the Jordan in a journal for Jordan is really my son. And this is really me on the screen. The funny part is there's this one scene. I don't think it made it into the final movie, but we were shooting at the Met and Shantae was sashaying up, you know, to Michael B walking with these heels and the music is going. And I wanted to say, cut, I've never <laughs> on my best day walked like that a day in my life. The thing that has me slightly mortified is she's playing me 15 years younger. This girl is gorgeous and thin and all of this. I told her and Mike, I said, if Charles came back here today, he'd, he'd say, I want that day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful film and I'm, I'm touched by everything everyone put into it. Wow. Is it going to be on Netflix or coming out in theaters or? No, it's one of Sony Pictures and Columbia Pictures' biggest movies of the year. It's coming out nationwide on Christmas Day. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I should have known that. I apologize. No, no, no. I knew it was Sony because I did see that. How cool is that? I, that is amazing. That is so, so yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. Denzel flew to New York to show it privately to my son and me two weeks ago. Oh. We're going to have a premiere on December 9th. But you know what? Every year, I didn't do it last year because of COVID. I have a huge Christmas party at my house where I cook. My mom's coming. We cook a ton and ton of food. And we have like 25 people. They've been coming for a decade for this party. And and many of these friends of mine only see each other at the party. So we are going to have that party this year. And then we are all going to go to the movies and watch and not let anybody know who we are. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That's so fun. (laughs) Aww. Well, I know what you mean about feeling successful on some days and like a totally a mess on other days. And yeah. like you, I've been through so much loss in my life. And I'm sorry. There, no, it's okay. I mean, most people, right? Maybe not to the extent of like your husband. I mean, you know, anyone who's gone through loss and grief knows that it's hard sometimes just to like get up and face the world. And yet whenever people ask, it's like, well, there was no other choice. That's exact. I say that all the time. And by no the choice. way... Yeah. I can see your resilience. You've started your own company. You're smiling. Oh. You have makeup on. You look great. You're, you get it. You, you know, you're, you're as resilient as I am. Um, yeah, but it's not like I woke up and said, I'm going to be resilient. It was like, well, this is like the worst thing I could imagine, but mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Am I going to drop out of school? Am I going to, you mm-hmm. know, all these things. Like you just yeah. have to, anyway. But somebody said to me something that you might find useful, which is you don't have to feel strong to be strong. Mm, that's another I was good. so frustrated. Yep. And people could oh, you're so strong. And I was like, stop saying that. I'm falling apart. And somebody said to me, no, you're not. You know, you don't have to feel strong to be strong. Yeah. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just stand still and let that wave of panic or pain or grief wash over you and live with it and go through it and then get up the next day. Yep. Another saying that somebody who came on the podcast once said that really stuck with me is God never wastes a pain. <laughs> I just love that. Right. Like, what am I, because it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I have this, I have to use it. I have Mm -hmm. to find my way through. And how can I, I don't know, there must be a reason. And you don't have to figure that out right away. Sometimes it takes time to figure out what you're supposed to do with it. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm really excited for you. And I'm excited you're going to have a big red carpet moment, even though, you know, that's not the be all end all and, (laughs) you know, all of that. How does Jordan feel about all this? He's so proud of his parents. But the funny thing is, when we were watching the screening, he he turned to me and he says, Mom, can you please um, just tap me on the shoulder before the sex scene so I can close my eyes and ears? <laughs> he's a 15-year-old boy, so he's mortified yeah. at the idea of seeing his parents 
on the big screen watching oh, their man. romance unfold. Yeah. But he's very <laughs> proud of both of us. And he's, he's, he's terribly proud of his father, obviously. Oh, and you said he ends up look, he ended up looking a lot like Charles's oh, mom. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Like her twin, but there's so much of his father's spirit in him. We're very, very, very close. He is just, he, he's, he's my everything. Oh, that's amazing. He's smarter than I am. He's kinder than I am. He's funnier than I am. That's what you want for your child. Are you going to write any more? Like, do you have another book in you or? It's funny. Everybody asks me that. And I'm sorry. I cannot I'm sorry to ask you the oh, same no, question. That every, I hate when I do that, but I'm sorry. Thank I had to know. Thank you so much for asking. I appreciate it, actually. And tons and tons of people keep asking me to write a book on resilience. Mm. I have to think about that a little bit more and whether I have enough to say. So I will write something. I've got kind of a busy life now with my job and with the movie and being a mom. But yes, I definitely have more books in me. I just don't know yet. I, I, I'm leaning toward doing that book on resilience, but I, I need to think about it a little bit more. Okay. All in due time. <laughs> no rush. Well, from your perch as both publisher and author, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? The first thing is just write. Write authentically. Write from your heart. Rewrite. You know, you'll find your own process for how to write. People ask me what, what you know, what advice would you give about the writing process? And I say, don't listen to anybody else's process. You'll find your own. And don't give up. I when I, I swear, this is the truth. When I sat down to write this book, I really, I was looking at a, a blank computer screen. I didn't know if only my mother was going to read it or not. And I could not have envisioned all of this. So you never know where it's going to take you. But I, I didn't write for a movie or any of this. I wrote because I had something to say and I needed to get it out. And if that drives you, then your authenticity will come out on the page. Wow. I love that. Amazing. Dana, thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. You too. Sorry for crying. Thank (laughs) you. No, no. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.